0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10
1: per order, additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential.
2: The Nightcap on WGR, Sports Radio 550. Did you ever think that guy
0: just, who? who is he? Probably just some random college kid from uh, California. He has no idea that he is regularly what he's featured become. on a Buffalo sports radio show. He has no idea. I wonder if he'd be an interesting guest, that guy. For, I, I forget at this point what he was even talking about. It was so long ago. Or they were outlawing partying somehow, but obviously they weren't just putting it in the in the uh college rule book they, there's no partying they were doing something to make that happen. And then they were uh
2: testifying against. Summer's coming, we will find him. We'll have plenty of time you think for you guests can do that? tonight. You think you can find that guest we, can, we got a couple months here, yeah.
0: You think you can find that guy? Get him on a summer show, summer nightcap? Why not? I think it could be done. We're gonna we're gonna hunt that guy down. We're gonna see. If he knows by the way that he's also uh, a feature on this show. Uh, um, My name is Joe Biase. That voice there is Kyle Powell. It's the Nightcap on WGR. we got full shows tonight, Wednesday, and Friday this week. The other two nights, Tuesday, Sabres are in Florida for a 7 p.m. puck drop and then Thursday at Tampa Bay. That one is 7.30. And the Lightning are actually about to be in action right now against the Blue Jackets, who, disappointingly, I can't really care about them losing. Sabres did that over the weekend. They blew a huge opportunity. A huge opportunity. If you listen to my shows the past few months, or any of our shows here in the station. A lot of talk's been about the Sabres and how they've went way downhill since the win streak. And another big topic of conversation has been if they're gonna make the playoffs, who's fallen out? Who's going to drop off? Who could they track down? And that conversation is coming to a close. They lost to two bad teams in the Eastern Conference. Two teams below the Sabres in the standings. The Rangers at 58 points, fourth from the bottom. And the Devils, 54 points, third from the bottom in the East. You lost to those two teams. Huge blown opportunity. Teams are coming back down to earth ahead of you. Montreal, for months, I've been thinking at least, they are due to come back down to earth. Their top three scorers, Max Domi, Jonathan Druen, Thomas Tatar, are players who throughout their careers have had big dry spells. Very inconsistent when you look over the course of the season, those three guys, when you look at their goal production. And Carey Price has really not been an MVP-level goaltender for a while now. Always thought that team could come back down earth. They're starting to. They've only won four of their last ten. They've lost three in a row. They gave up six to Florida last night. They're now at 69 points. Sabres are at 63. Really, all they had to do was beat the teams you should beat. They didn't do that great on the homestand. But you were going into the last game of the homestand with three games upcoming against three teams below you in the standings that you should beat. And they lost in regulation, keep in mind, to the Devils and the Rangers. The Devils, by the way, not having their best player in Taylor Hall. He still lost to them. Meanwhile... There's Montreal at 69 points. There's Pittsburgh at 69 points. There's Columbus only winning five of their last ten. They're playing 500 hockey. They're sitting at 69 points. The Hurricanes are the one team that have come on strong, and the Flyers, but those are two teams that are, were coming from below you that you were still right there with. If you had won the games you should have won these last two over the weekend, it feels like such a blown opportunity. You'd be sitting two points... Behind three teams in playoff spots, if you had just done what you should have done. But then you got to step back and think okay, their place in the standings says, yes, they should have beat the Rangers and the Devils in regulation. But when you really do boil it down and you look at what this team has been over the course of the entire season, they're an average hockey team. They are not a good hockey team. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. Their odds are... You know what? what's funny about that? If you want to look and put a positive spin on it, their odds are still better than what they were to get Rasmus Dahlin at the draft lottery. Their odds then were 18.5%. MoneyPuck.com's got them at 20% right now to make the playoffs. So I shouldn't just say completely no chance they make it. But the way they've played over the last month and a half, they look like the team we've seen over the past three, four years. They look exactly like that. And meanwhile, when they have slumped not only are you not able to catch teams ahead of you when you're slumping, you're allowing for teams below you to get hot and make it even tougher to get into the playoffs because now you've got to climb over more teams. You didn't have to climb over Carolina a month ago. You didn't have to compete with Philly a month ago. I mean, were they 20 points up on the Flyers at one point this season? They had to be.
2: If not 20, it was at near that. At one point, it was at least between 15 and 20. Oh. Yeah, the Philadelphia was reeling. Absolutely reeling. And they've won 8 of 10. And Carolina ahead of you now has won
0: 8 of 10. Those two teams have gotten hot. They've thrust themselves into a playoff race. Carolina should make the playoffs.
2: And you let them get into this position. You
0: allowed them to do that. Absolutely. You allowed them to only have to catch one team. As opposed to if they just kept a 500 pace since their win streak. They'd still be in a pretty comfortable spot. They haven't been close to a 500 pace. They've been playing like one of the worst teams in the NHL. And
2: is that going to change? We talked about this when the win streak was coming to an end, and it ended in Toronto, or against Toronto, and it stopped at 10. And we had that discussion of now you're just, you've banked these points, and you really just need to go in, not a shell, but just protect mode. Right. The the rest of the season and the, the road to the playoffs seemed, and, and, you know, three months later, A lot of things have changed. But you remember that show we did where we Mm -hmm. looked back on the the Wild and the Blue Jackets when they had those lengthy winning streaks? 30, almost 40% of their points came from those win streaks in an 80-game season. Yeah, I remember that. You think about it now, 20 of these 63 points they have came in one-eighth of the (laughs) season. (laughs) That's amazing. You figure you get to 100 points. A fifth of your points come from that 10-game stretch. Think about how easy... It could, be, it could have become to maneuver the rest of this schedule to make up the remaining, what, 75, 80 points you need in the, in the same amount of games. 75 points in what was left of 72 games mixed around the 10-game stretch. The math is just so much in your favor. You just had to play at a
0: 75-point pace outside of that win streak. You got 20 out of 20 in that 10-game sample size. So for the other 72 games... You didn't have to get 75 points, you had to play at a 75-point pace. And you were very likely to make it. Like, that would that would have made it really tight had they played at that level. Because that's below 500 hockey. But that's really what they needed to do to just be in the conversation, and they've played below that. They have played below that. They've played below a 75-point pace, which is what we've seen here over the past few years.
2: You have, and it stinks, too, because you put yourself in that great position to have so low Of a floor to have to maneuver around. Oh, 75 points in the next 60 games? Fine. Right. Think about how easy that would have been or could have been or should have been to overachieve on. That's right. And think of it this way. It's probably a terrible analogy.
0: But imagine you're trying to climb a tree. And the Sabres have been at the bottom of this tree for year after year after year after year. And... The way you would want it to happen, and I think the way that we all would have liked to see it happen at the beginning of the season, was all right, the top of the tree is like one of the best teams in the NHL. That's where we want to get to at some point, right? We want to get there. So if we're going to climb this thing, you're probably not going to do it all at once. So this season, let's get halfway up. Let's get halfway up. Let's be a respectable team. Let's try to, you know, be in the conversation for a playoff spot, but not, you don't need to make it. Just be in the race at the end of the year. Get halfway up the tree. And I think why we're all in such a down place with them right now, despite the fact that they have more points than they did last season already, is because by November, they were at the top. They climbed it, and then they fell. They fell, and they broke their legs. They fell flat on their face. And that's why it all feels like it feels like the last few years again. Even though they're not a last-place hockey team. In fact, they're middle of the road. They're in the top half of the league, still. They're not really in a serious playoff push right now because... Of where they're at They're six points back With a team to climb over Not playing great hockey It doesn't feel like They're in a real playoff race But they have gone From a last place team Year after year To they are in the top half Of the league That's true by the way Because over in the west And this is frustrating In the west They'd be in a playoff spot By three points Minnesota currently Has the final playoff spot In the west with 60 The Sabres are sitting with 63 so, Flyers, by the way, same thing. Your Flyers would be in a playoff spot in the West by three points. I'm just... When, to me, I, I'm very quick to get to the big picture. And the first thing I thought of when the with the big picture is I am in a spot where I can complain about the playoff format. They've been good enough where I can go, Oh, if we were only in the West, we'd be a playoff team. They're good enough to at least even say that. And that's kind of all I wanted out of this season. I didn't want it. I don't even want to say I didn't want it the way it went. Because that 10-game win streak was so fun. And I wonder if any of us here would have wanted it any other way. Because, yeah, we're at the low of the low right now, and it sucks. But do you remember how much fun we were having during that 10-game win streak? They were first place in the NHL. It was a blast. It was awesome. The overtime wins. The the fact that they were close games made it even more fun. It should have been more telling of what they were as a team, but it made it more fun. Jeff Skinner scoring in overtime against the Sharks. Casey Middlestat scoring the tying goal in Pittsburgh. Ah, just so many moments during that streak that made it so fun. And, yeah, that was fun. And the the, the fall flat, flat in your face stinks. But I don't know if I would have rather had it the other way. Just had them middling it through the year. Sitting at like 63 points. We'd certainly feel better about them right now. But we wouldn't have had as much fun as we did in November. Again, I'm quick to get to the big picture. And I'm already there. I'm already over how frustrated I was. In those last two games. I can't believe they didn't win those games. Just as like a fan point of view. Like, watching them, analyzing the team. I can believe it. I would not have predicted it. I would not have guessed it at all. But... I can believe it. As a fan, just I can't believe they lost to the to the Rangers and the Devils. With that glorious opportunity sitting in front of you. You had bad teams and you were right there.
2: The fashion didn't happen too. Especially Brian just Cozy will talk about this on post game too. It was it felt like watching a rerun last night in the rock of exactly what happened in the Rangers game. Obviously the outcome wasn't as bad 6 to 2 versus 4 to 1, but The Ranger game on Friday was complete control for half of the third period. One extended Ozone possession for the Rangers later, and the floodgates open for four goals. Same thing with Jersey. Not as much domination from the Sabres in the third period. They're crawling back from a 2-1 deficit, and then 4-1. Just one goal. And it's it's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde season is what it has become.
0: I'm usually not the optimist, too, but like that's the way I'm thinking right now. I don't want to be sitting th- thinking the same things that I have been. Like, last season at the end, I was lost in what I thought they should do. I'm rarely that way. I usually know what I want my team to do and how to build it, how to manage the team day by day, what to do with lineup decisions. Like, right now I could tell you, I've for a month, I cannot believe they've been dressing since Vladimir Sobotka. I usually know. Last year at the end, I had no idea what they should do. I wasn't a big fan of trading O'Reilly, and that was kind of the only thing that they could have done, and they did do it. Now, eventually, I got to I wanted to trade Jeff Sk- trade for Jeff Skinner, and they did do that, and that's worked. But the O'Reilly trade has hurt. But big picture, long term, they're in a good spot. They are. They are an average team right now. Yes. It's a big step up from what they've been. And they have the hard part done. This is what the tank was about. The tank was about acquiring the pieces that you can't get any other way. Unless you get extremely lucky. But it happens. The, de- the Stars landed Jamie Ben in the fifth round. It happens. But the... Best way to get those top pieces that we had not have had was to go to the top of the draft, and you had to go to the bottom to do that because we were sick of Derrick Roy being our first-line center. Just tired of it. Luke Adam playing half a season as your top-line center between Vanek and Pominville, We were over that. They do have the hard part done, and those guys are still young. And that's the most optimistic way to look at it. They're a 63-point team through 58 games. When, if you look at your five most important players long-term, they're kids. Eichel's 21. Reinhardt's 22. Maybe I'm one year off on both of them there. Maybe Eichel's 22 and Reinhardt's 23. Darlene's 18. Middlestad is 20. Allmark is 25, but that's young for a goaltender. If you even want to throw Line and Skinner in, that's 25 and 26. If you're telling me that your oldest core player is 26 years old, this year is going to feel pretty crappy. I think when they get to the end of it and they're not in a playoff spot. But when you do look at the big picture, I'm still happy with where this team is. Big picture. Player-wise. Notice, I have not yet mentioned the coach. I was on the fence with him. And I'm quickly going to one side. I think the system works. I think his system is smart. His system encourages defensemen to jump up in the play. His system encourages defensemen to be offensive. It encourages skill. The system does all of that. My problem is, it seems that his day-to-day decisions and his day-to-day mentality is not consistent with what the system should be. We've got incapable offensive players playing significant minutes. We've got fourth-line players like Vladimir Soboka playing in three-on-three overtime. And we've got players with offensive upside like C.J. Smith and Tage Thompson sometimes being scratched. And other times being put with players that it's almost impossible to thrive with. How much of this season has 72 been playing with 17? Thompson, to me, is a very frustrating player to watch. Because you see, he is, I tweeted this last night, he is what I thought I was going to feel when I was watching Josh Allen, his rookie season. I thought I was going to see huge upside, big physical ability, and pulling your hair out going, why did you just do that? I see that in Thompson a lot. A lot of offensive turnovers. Or a lot of turnovers in the offensive end. But it's hard for me to rail against him too much. One, obviously because he's still... This is his first full season in the NHL. And two, how much of the season has he been paired with a centerman that has little to no offensive ability? That's not all on Housley. I know. That's the roster build. But you are seeing examples of his day-to-day decisions that makes me think that he maybe doesn't know completely what he's doing when he's trying to utilize or get the max utilization out of your forwards, out of your depth scoring. I think Larson, to be honest, has filled the role that I think St. Louis paid Saboka to do. So why do I need them both in the lineup when everybody's healthy? Why can't I be playing C.J. Smith? Why can't I be giving Victor Olofsson a shot? Those are the type of offensive players that I need to be giving chances to. Because it can be done. You can waive these guys. There's no roster room, but you can use waivers. They've done it. If a player becomes so useless that he's not helping you, waive him. They did it with Matt Molson. Like, they did it with Matt Molson. What more do you need? That's a veteran player who was not helping you. Getting paid too much money. And you did what needed to be done. So why can't you do it again? You know why they can't do it again? Because the coach likes to utilize these guys. Because they're reliable. Even though I see them make as many turnovers in their own end as the rookies and as the young players. I see them take just as many penalties. I see them make just as many mistakes. The one thing I don't see is chances being bred in the offensive end. I can't believe how long it took them to get to CJ Smith in this lineup. And I don't even know now if he's a regular. We won't know unless they're completely healthy. He gets the puck to the middle of the the slot. He doesn't always connect. Sometimes he'll blindly throw it there. But... (laughs) I mean, he's doing he's doing something. He's giving you at least a little bit on that end. And going forward is where you can change the roster. But right, but you also need to have the coach that's gonna know what to do with it. And I'm very much questioning whether Halsey's able to do that right now. Very much so. It took him way too long to get to who the best goaltender is on this team. Allmark should have been playing the most games three months ago. Because after that 10-game win streak, both goalies came back down to earth. But Hutton did more so than Allmark did. And he continued to get the majority of the starts. And now we're at a point where he definitely recognizes it because it's very clear to see. Carter Hutton lets in that short side goal last night. I don't think Linus Allmark lets that goal in. I don't know what Hutton's doing. He's tight to his post, he's in good position, and he drops his glove to allow a spot to shoot at, to open that up, open up that short side. I'm very much questioning the coach right now. I'm not at a point where I'm yelling Fire Housley or tweeting Fire Housley. If they have an epic collapse, if this continues over the rest of the season, if they end up with 75 Below 80 points, if they end up with below 80 points after being first place in the NHL in November, then they have to have a, take a serious look at maybe seeing if you can change the bench boss for next year. Realistically, they're probably going to end up somewhere in the 80s, holding out hope that they could put together another win streak and get back into the playoff race, like seriously into the playoff race. But they're probably going to end up somewhere in the eighty point in, in the eighties, and if that happens, even me who is questioning them, I, I think you got are questioning the coach. I think you got to give him the beginning of next year, and then if things don't go well again, he got, he got to do it. I mean, I am sick of cycling through coach after coach after coach, as I think a lot of us are. But continuity only works if you have the right people in place, and I am not seeing a lot of day to day lineup decisions that is instilling a lot of hope that they've got the right guy right now. He was supposed to be the... He's supposed to be different, you know? Like, a lot of coaches in the NHL that are former players are like former third, fourth liners, like gritty guys, uh, character guys, and Housley was like, that was not what he was as a player. How many of these superstar skilled players become head coaches? It doesn't seem like a whole lot of them. I mean Gretzky tried it for a couple years. That didn't work, but other than that, like you don't see Mario Lemieux become a head coach. You don't see Bobby Orr become a head coach. I don't know why, but like it doesn't really happen. And Housley was supposed to be like that. He was going to be the the defenseman whisperer. He was going to bring all his secrets over from Nashville and how they've been the best defensive core in the league for year after year. And he was going to. He was going to figure out a way to make Zach Bogosian a top-four defenseman. And he was going to figure out a way to make Jake McCabe a top-pair defenseman instead of a second-pair guy. Nathan Beaulieu, who who fell out of favor in Montreal, who was a first-round pick. And you can see, like, he has physical abilities. Like, he's a good skater. He's got a good shot. He's good size. Housley's going to figure out a way to take all of that and maximize it. And we've got the same problems in the blue line that we've always had it's not quite as bad because really you look back and you look at the blue line that Tim Murray put together and that was it was a train wreck of a, of a roster really i think they're only slightly better on the blue line because just the players are better i don't it's hard for me to see an example of phil housley coming in and turning a defenseman into some guy that he wasn't before i thought we were getting that and we really haven't Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. I want to talk about Ryan Miller a little bit later too. He's now the winningest goaltender in NHL history of U.S. born goalies. It's pretty cool. I have a po- the, the 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 question I want to ask later. I'll even I'll throw it out right now because I did tweet it at Sneaky Joe WG on Twitter. Should the Sabers retire number thirty? Because that's the only I think real interesting one right now. Vanek, you could have made an argument for, but it would have been a tough one to make. Now you know they're not doing that because Dalene's wearing twenty six, so like twenty six probably gets retired someday. That might be a lot to put in an eighteen year old right now, but you, you know we see him; he he looks insane. Miller is interesting. I want to get into that a little bit later too. You can vote at Sneaky Joe on Twitter. Do you think Ryan Miller is number number thirty should be retired by the Savers?
2: That you can call in about eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Is this still active, too? The last number that get retired was 2006? Yeah, LaFontaine.
0: LaFontaine and Danny Gare were the same year, I think. Wow. Maybe Danny Gare was a lot earlier than that. No, no, I think he was 06. Danny I, Gare I, remember, was, I remember that in my lifetime, I think.
2: It was the 05-06 season. Danny Gare, November okay. of 05, LaFontaine, March of 2006.
0: 2006 was the last time. No, 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 that, that's not right. Hashik. Yeah. Hashik was recent. That would have been a couple years ago.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was just trying to get a grasp on how many numbers they had retired. I was looking at an article. Before Hashik, I think you're right, It does though. not have Hashik on I it, I think
0: LaFontaine would have been before yeah.
2: that. Um, so, yeah, you can vote on that on Twitter.
0: 8030550 is the number. You can call in on that if you want right now. Otherwise, I'm looking for stuff on the coach and really what you think the Sabers' biggest problem is right now. I'm kind of ruling them out of the playoff race, but if you want to still call in and give me a reason why you think they're still in it, you can. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biassi and Kyle Powell here on WGR.
2: We had our chances. I thought we played hard. You know, I thought it was a pretty back and forth game, even though the score was you know it was what it was. You know, we had our chances. We were in it there late in the game and they you know, Paul Mary scores that goal. It's a bit of the nail in the coffin, but you know, I thought we were in it.
0: Sabres defenseman Zach Bogosian. After the Sabres lost to the New Jersey Devils last night, four to one. Three to one before an empty netter. I don't think empty netters should count against goal differential. Is that crazy?
2: Change my mind. Is that going to be the meme? Sabers or uh, empty net goals should not count against me. Change yes. my mind.
0: Yes, I, I think I think that would uh, I think that would be an interesting idea.
2: I don't like the idea that I've heard
0: some people say that empty net goals shouldn't count for a player, like for their goal
2: total. I've heard that before. Yeah,
0: I, I think it should though because that. Like it's it, it says something about a player. If you're on the ice in a late-game situation, in a close game, like if you're good enough to be on the ice when it's a one-goal game at the end, then, yeah, you get your reward.
2: Especially I if think. you're a goalie, too. Imagine taking those away from Ron Hextall, Marty Brodeur, oh, no shot.
0: There was a time, you're probably not going to remember this. It, I think it was Brodeur was in net. It was the closest a goalie's ever come to scoring on a non-empty net. I think it was Flurry Flurry. Brodeur had lost his stick. It went into the corner. And Fleury saw that, had the puck, saw Brodeur skating into the corner. Look this up, how close this came. Okay. And he fires it down the ice while Brodeur is in the corner. Brodeur is racing to get back in, doesn't get there. Fleury's shot goes off one post, goes along the goal line, off the other post, and stays out. Like, I'm, tell- I'm talking millimeters from a goalie scoring on a non-empty net. It was so close. That's a great that's a great video to watch. If anyone's looking for some uh, some interesting YouTube videos to watch tonight, if you're bored, look that one up. I think I think it was Flurry. So Flurry almost scores on Broder or something like that. It's it's a great. It's a great. Great flick to watch. So check that out. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number. We've been talking about the Sabers in the first segment. Uh, Phil Housley, in part, and uh, I got some interesting trade deadline ideas. I got to come up with something for it. I want the deadline to be interesting, right? Doesn't everybody? And it doesn't really seem like it's on pace for that to happen. I pulled up the trade bait list before the show, TSN's trade bait list. And not only does it seem like the Sabres are not buyers, so it wouldn't feel like they'd be in the market for any of these guys right now. There's a couple guys that I'll mention that they I think they will be, or they should be. And they don't really have any big pieces to sell off. So they're not really in play for almost the, anyone on the top 50 of the trade bait list. Now, TSN does put Jeff Skinner at number 50. I'll get to him in a minute. You're all going to yell at me, probably. But they're not training him anyway, so it's not like it even matters. 803 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation talking about the coach and what you think the biggest problem is on the team right now. Let's go to... let's we'll start segment out with George. George, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
1: How you doing?
0: Good. How about you? I
1: got, good. I got a couple of points to make. Okay. First of all, you know referring to Phil Housley. I want Phil Housley to succeed, but I think anybody who remembers Phil Housley as a player, he was a finesse defenseman, and he was not tough. He was the furthest thing from tough and grit that there was. Um, And this team has kind of taken on that particular, you know, persona. Uh, Also, we have to remember, this is a very young team. We have a young defensive core, you know, aside from Bogo. They're very young. Um, So, you know, Looking at this whole situation, you know, and I do want Phil Houser to succeed here, I put the onus directly on Jack Eichel. I mean, at some particular point, the captain has got to start grabbing the wheel and steering the locker room. You know, Jack definitely sulks a lot, and this is not what this young team needs. They need Jack, they need Sam, and they need Jeff Skinner and maybe somebody else on the second line to say, you know what, enough is enough or we're not going to do this anymore.
0: So what do you propose that they do? Do you propose that they rip the sea off of Jack Eichel? Is that what you're saying they should do?
1: No, no, I think it's a growth thing. I really do. Jack's still a young guy himself.
0: And when, wouldn't you also say there, it seems like there's less locker room questions, at least, than there were the past few years, no?
1: But, but does this, I agree with that, but does it still feel good? Do you think it feels good from the outside, even though we're not on the inside? To me, it just doesn't seem like... There's somebody inside that everybody is going to rally around and say, "Okay, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to kick butt,"
0: and that's how it is. I don't think that. I don't think that's the problem with the team, though. Like George, I respect that, but to me, like if, if you're scoring goals, if you're winning, if you've got guys that are burying the puck in the back of the net, then I don't have to worry about locker room problems because everybody's happy if they're winning. No. I, I the, the problem Jack Eichel to me is the last person, second last person, Dahlen. Eichel's the second-last person that I would put their struggles on. He is the only player that consistently drives possession. That includes Reinhardt and Skinner. Now, those guys have been great all year for different reasons. Reinhardt's been great because he's been burying the puck in the back of the net. His vision has been insane this year, and he's got a lot better at carrying the puck. Skinner is just a sniper. I mean, 36 goals, and we all see it. Eichel's the only guy that consistently carries possession for them. That is more important to me than being raw-raw in the locker room and firing guys up. We had that. Like, you don't think Josh Georges was good at that? That was a character guy. Guess what? He wanted to go on the ice. Couldn't make a tape to take pass. So what did it matter? I don't need cheerleaders. I need guys that can bury the puck in the back of the net and that can handle the puck and maintain possession. That's what I need. The Toronto Maple Leafs right now look like one of the best teams in hockey. They don't have a captain. That's not that's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. The Golden Knights were in the finals last year. They didn't have a captain. Their locker room was brand new. Who was their leader? They don't. Did they have a leader, or were they just were they have a leader in the locker room that was driving everything, or were they just really good at scoring? <laughs> like that's the reason. So, like I respect. I res, I respect. Wanting you to have a strong captain and wanting to blame some of their struggles on what's happening in the locker room. I just think it comes secondary, personally. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. If I can get my mouse to work here. Callie, you want to punch him up for me? Jonathan and Alden, you are on the nightcap. What's up, man?
1: Hey Joe, good show as always. But, but I want to Thank say, you. Um for the most part I, I, I for the most part I like what Jason Botterell has done and you have a very good point about this roster being young, so I am optimistic for the future. But I don't understand why Jason Bottle is just kind of sitting there while this season uh, collapses. I'm i just want to. Do you think there's a move he could make to get get this season, to stop the at least stop the bleeding? I mean, I'm not I am not expecting playoffs this year. I'm hoping for at least meaningful games in April. Mm-hmm. But if the Sabres don't do anything, if they keep playing the way they've been playing, they won't get meaningful now. Games.
0: Jonathan, there is something he can do. I don't know if you're going to like it. Like, he can go out and he can trade for Bad Duchesne, who's a UFA. Like, he could do that. That would probably stop the bleeding. He'd immediately come in and be your third-best forward, probably. If not third, definitely fourth. And he would help you out a lot. But you're going to be trading a lot to get him, and you're probably losing him after the season. So, it's not really a great idea, I don't think, right? Okay, good point there, yeah. I Plus, you got Jeff Skinner, I mean... I, maybe, maybe if we
1: trade Skinner, um, do you think? Next question is: Do you think should, what should we do with Jeff Skinner? Because I I mean, I'd like to get him signed for a long-term deal, mm-hmm. but I also don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know I don't know about keep. It. Do you think we'll have enough to keep him or? Yeah,
0: I, I think that I I wanted to talk about this a little bit too. I just explore it. I'm not in the camp of I think they should trade Jeff Skinner. Let me start that start off that way. I don't I think they should just sign him. And I think it's trending that way. For sure. I mean, every time they ask him about his time in buffalo and him being here long term he his it seems like his first inclination is to laugh. It's a pretty good sign, I think. Guy's always smiling, seems pretty happy here. Doesn't seem very miserable. Certainly not. He's certainly like the opposite of what Ryan O'Reilly was at the end of last year. Also a good sign. But it's not the worst idea in the world. Again, I wouldn't do it. It's not the worst idea in the world. They would get a haul. For Jeff Skinner right now. You would be guaranteeing yourselves a net positive. From what they traded for him in the offseason. You're getting more. Than Cliff Pooh In a second and third round pick. That is for damn sure. So they're getting more. Which means you are in a way. You're winning that trade. But you're not trading a 36 goal scorer. Who's got 25 games left or something. I mean he might. He's not going to probably get to 50. But he'll be in the 40s. You're not trading that guy. Does that mean that they shouldn't even maybe take a call on it? Like I, I don't know, if a team way overpaid, I'd want to at least listen. Cuz at the minimum, you're talking about a first round pick and like an A, a pl- prospect, like an A prospect. We're not even talking Tage Thompson here, I don't think. I think you could, the amount of goals he's producing. In fact, when I looked this up, I was looking up like top prospects in the NHL. Like who would I even start to listen to? if i to to consider trading skinner three prospects that are three of the, probably the top few that are not in the league right now that are like drafted already adam Boquist in chicago who was the eighth overall pick last year super good defenseman lighting it up right now in the ohl swedish that helps we know we know we got a, a lot of them so he fit right in cody glass in vegas Who's really turned into one of the top prospects in the league. Lighting it up in the WHL. Centerman. And then Oliver Wallstrom with the Islanders. Who are in a... I don't know what they are. Are they going to be a a big buyer at the deadline? I don't know if they would be a big swinger. If they they thought Skinner was available, would they even try to go for that? I'm not sure. But that is like an elite level prospect. Watch that guy's highlights from Team USA and the World Juniors the past couple years. Filthy hands. I think he even played with middle stat on the line last year. I would be, you'd be, you'd have to start with that level prospect and a first round pick. Like we're talking like middle stat level young players. Even then, I'm not doing it. I'm not personally, but I wouldn't kill them for it. So that like that's as far as I would go on even talking about a Jeff Skinner trade. Because first of all, I don't think it's likely at all. I think we're going to see a contract extension in some point in the next few months. And two, I don't I don't think there's a team out there that's going to give you the value that it would require to even consider trading him. But I, I, I like that you brought it up. There's no idea you shouldn't bring up, except the Sabres trading Jack Eichel or Rasmus That one, I will immediately hang up on you. Let's go to Connor. Connor, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
1: Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call, Then Yeah, sure thing. Um, I kind of want to jump on your trading Jeff Skinner bandwagon.
0: <laughs> so is that is it a bandwagon? I mean, I probably I haven't even really put wheels on it, so I guess I guess you could still qualify it. But um,
1: what I think makes sense is imagine it, Panarin's down in Columbus. We all know that. Yep. Imagine they trade Panarin to X and Y, uh, you know, team get a first round pick. They're going to get a package too. They're going to want to compete still. So imagine trading Skinner to Columbus. And the package I just kind of see, I don't think that they're going to get a high-end prospect like Boakfist or anything, but mm-hmm. a first, maybe Boone Jenner. Um, they've got Paul Bittner, which is like a decent wing prospect, and yep. next year's second. I think you would get a haul for Skinner. I do want to say I want him extended. I love him. Um,
0: but I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I wonder what he is like in the in this core. Because he's certainly not, I, I would not call him a franchise player. He's not registering the same way Eichel and Dalin are. But immediately after that, I could argue he's their next, he's their third most important player. I mean, where would they be right now without him? They'd probably be at the bottom of the standings again. Like, what's their biggest difference in the past few years to this year? Their blue line's still not that good. Their goaltending's improved a little bit, but their goaltending was always at least average, even under Leonard. And Eichel's still doing his thing. Your secondary scoring is still a problem. Your biggest change... Is that you just threw a third, a forty-goal scorer in on your first line? It's a big reason why. Um, to be frank, I would only trade him to Columbus if I can get my hands on one of those top two defensemen, and it's not happening. So, even if I paired like a first-round pick with it, like would I get Zach Wierenski for Jeff Skinner and three first-round picks? What do you? No, think? No. Would Columbus
2: say yes to that? No, no, you don't even think they would say yes to that. Zach Wierenski and three first-round picks. No, for no, a guy. no,
0: no, no. I'm sorry. Jeff Skinner and three first-round picks for Zach Wierenski. Is that crazy? It's definitely crazy. Let, it's, let me take that question back. It's certainly crazy. Okay. But man, I love Zach Wierenski. That guy's gonna be a top-five defenseman for 20 years.
2: Should I want to do that? You think I'm a psycho for wanting to do that? No, I'm just. I just think it's odd that Columbus is a team that we choose here because we if. They'd There's have to trade lot.
0: Panarin for his scenario to work anyway.
2: Exactly. Right. They the reason they're trading that. him is to maximize value because they know they're not getting him back.
0: Good point. All right. This you is all, give this him is all Skinner, a terrible idea.
2: You give Jeff Skinner to them, they're in the same exact position because they know <laughs> you already gave Jeff the wink-wink that we're going to go nuts for you in June. Yeah.
0: This is why a Jeff Skinner trade doesn't really work in my mind because my mind immediately goes to the players I want most on that other team and I don't. they're probably not realistic. 8030550 is the phone number. Uh, throw any trade scenarios you want at me, though, and I'll tell you what I think. Also, we're talking about the coach and what you think the Sabres' biggest problem is right now. Do you think they still got a shot in the playoff standings or in the playoff race? And we'll talk some Ryan Miller in the second hour on whether you think number 30 should be retired. 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap on WGR. Quick segment here. The Nightcap on WGR. Got a poll up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. Should the Sabres retire, number 30 for Ryan Miller. He's now the winningest goalie, winningest U.S. goalie, U.S. born goalie, I should say, in NHL history. Um, and he is the winningest goalie in Sabre history. I don't think anyone's wore 30 since he's been out of here. And, I mean, he was a top 10 goalie for a decade while here. He won a Vesna. He was an Olympic hero. He won four playoff series, which might not be a lot, but to me that's a lot. Those are the only four playoff wins in my lifetime for my two teams, so I think it should matter. I'd, retire, I'd, I'd vote yes, and right now it's 56% in the yeses, 44% no, just under 1,000 votes so far. Also, another poll, am I crazy for wanting to trade Jeff Skinner in three first-round picks for Zach Wierenski? 84% say yes, I'm crazy.
2: I voted with all my burner accounts.
0: <laughs> You've got 57 burner accounts? Yes. Is that a lot of burner accounts, you think?
2: I don't know. Ask Brian Colangelo.
0: Oh, that's a that's a. I could not remember that guy's name the other day. Really? You know Kevin Durant's got burner accounts. What's going on in the NBA? What do you have a burner account for? Who would uh, be most likely to have a burner account in the NHL? In the NHL? Brad Ooh. Marchand, maybe. Would that be a good one? Who's like a nutcase like? Guy? John Torella? Yeah, but he hasn't used social media, probably ever. Although most stocky players aren't very, uh, very good at social media. Who like? Is anyone petty in the NHL? Does anyone like care a ton about what other people think about them?
2: I'm going to use this I feel commercial. Like Jonathan Tays could have.
0: Uh, I, I'm going to vote Jonathan Taze to start
2: this off here. I'm going to use this the... break to think of that okay. because this is an interesting question. I'm
0: going to stick with John. Oh, Sidney Crosby has a burner account. Hundred mm, percent. We might have a winner. Sidney Crosby definitely has a burner account. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll talk Sabers and uh, some Ryan Miller here in the second hour here on WGR.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to twenty percent versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. It's